think you double that with the same. Well, (laughs) yeah, uh, I can can work miracles, but I don't walk on water. So (laughs) there it is. Hello and welcome to episode 144 of Rockstar CMO FM. M is for marketing and the F is for well you decide. As you're probably wondering, does the world need another effing marketing podcast? I'm your host, Ian Truscott. I'm a B2B CMO and trusted advisor. I'm no rockstar, but a leadership coach told me I should be. On this weekly podcast, I chat to the true rockstars, my fabulous guests and chums, to share some marketing street knowledge to inspire your inner rockstar. Come say hello. You can find all our contact details and the show notes at rockstarcmo.com. It's Saturday the 10th of December 2022. Thank you for joining us. I hope you've had a good week and you are well and staying as sane as you feel you need to be. In this week's episode, Jeff Clark and I discuss doing more with less tech. Grant Johnson, CMO Embers, returns for a chat with his 12 CMO pitfalls. And we wind down the week in the Rockstar CMO virtual bar with Robert Rose for a cocktail and a marketing thought. But first, we need to pay the bar tab. I'll be back in a moment. We'll be right back. You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Christy Heiler hosts a fantastic podcast called Own It. Christy, tell us more about the show. Own It is all about celebrating women and non-binary advertising agency owners. We talk about buying out of the Boys Club of Advertising because less than 1% of ad agencies are owned by women. And where can people subscribe? You can find the podcast at untilyouownit.com. We're also on the Marketing Podcast Network at marketingpodcast.net. And of course, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You heard her. Go subscribe. On to our first segment, the Marketing Studio with Jeff Clark, our resident rock star and CMO advisor. And we've been watching a forest development. How you doing? I'm doing good. Thank come, you very much, Jeff. Come on into the studio. <laughs> Sit yourself down and let's have a chat. I need to edit in a a door opening oh, sound yeah. effect there or something. Sure. <laughs> yeah. well, thank you very much, Jeff, for welcoming to the Rockstar CMO studio with Jeff Clark. Fantastic. How are you, my friend? I'm doing very well. Johnny, good. It's, uh, it's getting close to uh, the beginning of winter, so... Uh, yeah. We're out buying our our winter gear. Yeah, no, it's absolutely winter here, and <laughs> it's funny because, as you know, the other regular on the show, Robert Rose, lives in California, and he's like, he keeps referring to this as fall, and I'm like, it isn't fucking fall. This is... <laughs> it's going to be. Mild. It's a little. Yeah. It's a little warmer out there on on average, yes. <laughs> but it's bloody frigid here. So and it, yeah, so we, we've got those bright blue, very cold days. If anybody's interested in the weather in UK at the moment, and awesome. deep frost, minus Celsius temperatures, so very cold. Anyway, yeah. uh, this week, um, uh, both, something that actually both of us picked up on. It is prediction season as usual, and so we can't avoid that can we even hear on what star cmo so that, that we're dipping into the predictions and one of the things i think we both had a look at was a forester linkedin live event your old crew uh they made some predictions for 2023 b2b marketing 
which, unlike Forrester, is actually freely available to watch. So I can include a link to oh it. Oh my in the gosh. Show. <laughs> I, I OMG, think, <laughs> yeah, as they say these days. I can include a link to that in the show notes. You don't need a subscription, you can just watch it like a regular person, like I did. And uh, and enjoy it. And it featured our old chum, Simon Daniels. So maybe he's having a big influence with Forrester over there. And Meta, and I knew I'd get this wrong, Caragiani, is that correct? Uh, yes. Because you know that crew. Dave Parry and Conrad Mills. Um, and they discussed sort of four predictions. And then I think what we caught off from that was there was like a common thread of protecting your customer base, working more closely with sales, which is the age old. <laughs> you know, yep. I think you can yep. make that prediction every single every year year. can't you that we have to do that um whether we should continue to host virtual or hybrid events and what we should do post pandemic but the one i think that caught our attention was spending less on technology we're certainly something that i know you know a bit about so i'll send the listeners to they can listen to the forester predictions we won't reenact that here um although if we were to do it i would play simon i think because he's english right and you can play the other three. <laughs> yeah, we won't rehash that here. But um, but I know from your forest, from your serious decisions in forest days, it's something you used to do a lot, haven't you? You've got experience of auditing tech stacks and, and realizing those that kind of cost, that, those cost savings that they talked about in their predictions. So finally, we get to this point. What say you, Jeff? <laughs> <laughs> you thought I was never going to end there, didn't you? <laughs> uh, yeah. Right. <laughs> When's it my turn to talk? <laughs> no. Uh, so yeah, you know the. Um, I think the thing is that there's, I mean, there is kind of a, a common thread, you know, beyond the the four points, which is, you know, how to drive more more value, which is, uh, you know, so it's you're protecting your customer base, you're yeah. building relations, better relations with sales, you're trying to like get more and more out of events yeah. as you're engaging customers, and um and and then the the technology. I mean, I think one of the things that that that's reacting to is the fact that you know tech spend really really grew. I mean, if you mm. if you talk about the from like 2010 through 2020, there was just this you know sort of a triple tripled increase in the percent of budget. So yeah. that when you think about budgets as a percent of revenue for most companies was actually for marketing was actually going up during that time frame. Right. Then on a, on a real basis, uh, you know, it's actually the, that, that tech spend was, was, you know, marching up quite a bit. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we used to benchmark spend across, uh, the people, programs, yeah. outsource services and technology, tech spending, you know, and that's, that's a big bucket. That includes, you know, yeah. all of your overhead, et cetera. And so, you know, tech spending, you know, went from like two to three percent to like six to eight percent of the total budget. And so there, it's you know starting to crowd out uh, the other the spend on programs and staff have, in particular. Can I just pause you on that a moment? Because sure. are we when you're talking about the average? Is that the average revenue of the company? Because isn't it? I mean, the studies I've seen, it's it's like thirty percent or so is being spent on Martech out it, of the marketing if you, budget. It, so so there's where you got to ask like yeah. any any firm that's quoting these things you got to yeah. say well what are you including in the yeah, in the yeah. budget because yeah. if you're if if you're uh, you know again if if you said you know um the CMO gets so much of a program budget yeah. and and so out of that we're going to sp- spend some on technology yeah. but if you look at the entire budget of which typically um you know people and programs are you know like 40 you know 40 
plus yeah. percent yeah. of that total budget. And then you could look at outsourced services, you know, which yeah. could be outsourcing to a business development firm. It could be your PR firm, whatever. Yeah. Because you're outsourcing capabilities that you could actually have in house and then, and then tech. So those two would typically be in the kind of the five to six percent of, of the total budget. So again, it depends on what you're, you're, yeah. you're, where you're starting. Um, the, the important thing I think was the, was the trend line, because no matter how you do the, the number crunching, as long yeah. as you're consistent with, with how you're, you're measuring it, then yeah. you're going to see that, that, you know, uh, tripling of, of spend. And in 2020, we, we, we did see it, um, starting to level off, you know, mm-hmm. but say probably 2019, 2020 and into the next year. And, and, you know, you know, I don't know if, you know what in terms because now you're hitting the pandemic time frame yeah. so you know I, I don't know how much that might have you know put a damper on things but certainly is because you know i was involved doing a, i mean it was helping customers advisory basis doing tech auditing but we also did a lot of consulting gigs where we'd go into a large company and and do the inventory you know build out what the how we're going to do the analysis and um and it was pretty consistent that that um that people had overspent um yeah. And and particularly if you get into a company that's maybe formed by a lot of acquisition, then you've get you know you've get the duplicate marketing automation systems, duplicate CRM systems, you get duplicate you know web platform, and 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 so a lot of that has to be rationalized. But I think the thing is that when we're coming into a season like the next mm. couple of years, where I mean everybody's been talking about recession for. 12 months. So, yeah. so when you talk about it for 12 months, it's yeah. going to happen whether it should happen no, or absolutely. not. Absolutely. And, and when yeah. the confidence in the C suite is down, uh, yeah. where, where does the, where, where do they look for, for budget cuts? It's going to be yeah. in marketing, isn't it? So it's going and, to be in marketing. That's, that's right. A, that's an age old trope, and, isn't it? But yeah. And if you think you're not, a, well, actually, you think back to some of those other yeah. trends, you know, we're going to focus on the existing customer base. We're yeah. going to try to drive more value out yeah. of events. We, yeah. You know, we may need to put more emphasis on opportunity generation. So now it's kind of like hunker down, yep. focus on getting, you know, some basic things right. Yeah. Uh, and, and maybe that does mean, you know, either pulling money out of the budget uh, yeah. or it just means better focus yeah. for your MarTech spend. It, and, and also when you were talking just now about where it is that you can see this um wastage if you like of of um, marketing investment in technology it's not just having duplicate systems and processes like multiple crms or, or cms's and digital assets but it's also the fact that organizations tend to overbuy don't they so they've got this oh. they've got a product that does i don't know personalization and multi-language and multilingual and they don't use any of those those functions or whatever that happens to yeah. be yeah and there, there might have been a good idea to invest in something and you've got a, you know, you're either paying off a license agreement yeah. or you still got a subscription that automatically renews. Yeah. And yet the team that did that uh, is not around anymore. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, whatever the, the, the reason is. Yeah. And that's where, you know, as much as we talk about, you know, auditing in terms of the context of doing more or less, it's like, this yeah. is actually just, it's a good annual exercise. You know, you're going to yeah. put a budget together. Okay. Let's go out and, you know, inventory everything, understand what the budget is, because the budget for these tools, I mean, every company does budgeting differently, and they may be the actual, you know, who authorized and who's spending it may be in different um, cost centers. It might be, you know, different different budget owners within marketing. Some of it might be in sales. And, and so, 
you know, doing this inventory and really doing it across sales and marketing since there's a lot of overlap is, is well, you've, good annual practice. You've seemed to have dived straight into what we do, right? So, <laughs> well, so I was foreshad- it was foreshadowing. <laughs> yeah. so we, so, but, there, but you have these six steps, don't you, of what we need to do, including what you were just talking about, about that conducting yeah. that inventory of what it is that yep. we have and what it all does. And by the way, I yep. just realized how we're coming up to the holidays and, we, and it's, the, 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 a, it's the time of gift giving. And we're going to talk to people about reducing budget, getting rid of yes. things. In yeah. production. Yes. And, and on, this is on, called the, the Scrooge exercise. Yeah. And on, <laughs> on, the, on this very show, I have uh, Grant coming up, uh, our former boss, who's going to talk about the 12 um, pitfalls of being a CMO. So it's quite a lo- low key, yeah. not this the holiday a, spirit. This. This is, well, we got three weeks to recover. So don't. So anyway, the Grinch, Don't worry. the Grinch that's stealing our marketing technology. <laughs> so, so that was one of your steps is conducting inventory. But there was something before that. What? what how, well, so we yeah, and about? I yeah yeah. So first, I think you need to define you know what. So if you're going to audit your technology, yeah. you could define yeah. the scope. And again, this is um, you know if we're talking about budget and 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 somebody says you need to take thirty percent out or yeah. whatever yeah. off the you know. Then, then it's like, okay, we're going to look at everything, you know, yeah. so it's, it's, you know, it's as broad as possible. We're going to include the whole stack. We're going to wear all the license and subscription fees, related expensive administrative time, you know, cause sometimes it's people yeah. time that's focused yeah. on things, not just the things themselves. Yeah. Um, but we, in, in our scope and, and this could, you know, if you're not trying to look at the whole budget, mm-hmm. this is really important is to say, what, what are the organization's goals? What, so what should we be guided upon? to say something is a good thing, you know, or it's a bad thing. Are we, are we trying to ramp up a f- revenue? Are we trying to, you know, focus more on existing accounts? Are we trying to become more efficient? Are we trying to improve engagement? Right. Because, because all of these things become, uh, you know, it's like doing any roadmap yeah. or any analysis. It's like, what are the goals? Yeah. And the goals aren't just the fact that we've got to have technology yeah. and this technology is supposed to make us be more efficient. Um, yeah. But, in order to do what? Yeah, the outcomes. Yeah, the outcomes. Yes. And what um, are the outcomes? And it, it, this is almost. I mean, it's very similar. I mean, I've been in a lot of mark um, on many sides of acquiring marketing technology, and this is almost like that process, isn't it? Is like yeah, just what are your requirements? What is it you need? You know, what's the scope? What are you going to look at and stuff like that? And then you move. You started talking about this just a moment ago when we were talking about the the marketing technology that we have. Then conducting that inventory. What are the key things about conducting the inventory of the tech that you have? Well, if you're if you're starting from scratch, mm. a great place to go is finance because <laughs> finance will have a list of everything we've spent money on, and that yeah. those could be the clues to yeah. uh, you know where where what it is what budget it's sitting in, who the budget owner is. Um, But you should also make the tool discovery part of your audit process. So if you're, and and I don't want to jump too far ahead into the audit process, but it's like you want to be talking to people, um, hopefully talking to people as opposed to just doing some sort of, you know, web-based survey, although you can can mix these things to get to get to what you want. But you want to be asking the question, you know, what tools do you use Mm -hmm. when you are, you know, if if you're running uh, PR, yeah. what tools do you use to yeah. run your PR program? Yeah. Uh, and 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 sometimes, you know, as as we found doing audits for companies, it's like it's like, ooh, 
we didn't know that was there. <laughs> Put that on the list. Uh, right. And you may find things that are like freebies stuff yeah. or whatever that people use that it just, it's important but to know about. Especially in large organizations where you've got different field offices, there'll be somebody that signed up for something Ab- for $100 oh my, on, their credit, absolutely. on their credit card. And, 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 and it, it's become mission critical for them. And sometimes it's the time of looking after that that actually is the cost of the marketing team and, and the integration of that data rather than the actual product itself isn't it so that's what you were saying about being part of the scope of the audit right so yep. then then so we've moved so we've we've scoped out our audit we we're conducting this inventory so that's our first two steps what's the third step so define your audit process so um so again listing your goals is going to be important because that's your north star for how you're evaluating the technology yeah. build a list of questions you know yeah. so you know like good surveying no more than 10 questions i mean if you're I, what I found is like if you've booked 45 minutes to an hour with somebody and maybe yeah. a small team and you're going to go through your list of questions, I mean, you yeah. can't get past 10 questions. No. So, and, yeah. and, and you want to have a lot of open end questions about, you know, what's preventing you from doing your work more efficiently? What's helping you achieve the goals? Mm-hmm. What is, you know, what technology you even, and even though you may be trying to, uh, you know, reduce spend, you may yeah. want to ask the question, what technology do you need to do your job better? Because yeah. you don't, I mean, this is all when you're when you're in interviewing people. Mm-hmm. It's not just you know we're here to take, not here to be Scrooge or the Grinch and take <laughs> stuff away. We're we're here to figure out how to do your job yeah. better. And we've got yeah. these corporate goals we're all supposed to be aligned by. Yeah. And so, what's going to help you do that better? And and maybe that's not something we can put in the budget for next year, but maybe that's something we need to put on a roadmap but, for um for the future. But also, I mean, like I, I'm not sure about the question is what technology you need. What to, you know. Because otherwise, people will say, "I need this shiny thing that I know the name of." Right? It's yeah. It's, it's how how can technology help? I don't know how to phrase that question. Yes. You'll, you'd be much better at it than me. But also to get to the bottom of what actually is their need, right? Rather yep. than that they want the shiny, right? What you yeah? Know, what te- what technology? Well, I need Adobe. Or do you? What Adobe you need <laughs> is a way of publishing web pages or whatever the yeah. thing is. Yeah. Yeah, and, yeah. and and so that so you have these ten interview questions, and you talk to people. Uh, is and it's online surveys you mentioned too in interviews, right? So we do that. Yep. I, I think talking to people, which which when you as you mentioned, you know, global yeah. companies, and you got a, you yeah. got a batch of people in Asia, and you got a batch yeah. of people in Europe, and you know, U.S. and Latin. You know, I mean, that does become uh, difficult, but it becomes an essential part of doing the job. And it's actually, you know, it's what helps you build the relationships. You know, if you're going to start making decisions about these tools, yeah. uh, you know, you need to be building that relationship with them. And that's why the interview process is really helpful. In addition yeah. to holding a survey or something to maybe get some data out of the way, uh, think, and I then think, focus on the on the you know the 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 more loosey goosey things. Yeah, and I've done some of that in person stuff back when I was at Tazoo years ago when I was out there in the US and we were working with a finance organization, it was funny getting some of the marketing team together from different parts of the business to talk about tools. And then they had these conversations with each other. Which, oh, you use this. Oh, you've got that. Yeah. How did you get access to that? And we, and you can, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that's really Maybe you want funny. to avoid that. <laughs> yeah, that's quite interesting. All right. So those are the first three steps. So what's the fourth step? Well, so that now you're, you're assimilating the information and you need to assess each tool or mm-hmm. you know, each each technology you're using and there's really kind of a uh, at least i found like there's a couple ways of of doing this that you can use both and yeah. one is you know create a chart with a you know with a couple of axes and yeah. you know one axis is cost and effort and the other is the 
utilization slash the benefit. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, so, and, and you can score these different ways. You can try to just get into high, medium, low. What seems to be giving us high benefit, mm-hmm. but we have low utilization or what has, you know, low benefit and yet it's costing us a lot. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and so, um, you know, we could get into the details, but there's lots of ways of, of trying to quantify this. Yeah. And, and I found at least the personal experience is that being more, um, rounding things out into more of a high, medium, low is probably as, uh, as good as you need as opposed yeah. to trying to do some sort of, uh, you know, mathematical <laughs> equation. Um, but, but basically by doing this, you're looking for, not only you're looking for redundant tools, you're looking for yeah. things that have no or low utilization. Yeah. Um, and you're looking for things that are expensive yeah. uh, and what's driving value versus what's not driving value. So the obvious, as I kind of mentioned, is like things driving value that have, whether they're expensive or not, certainly are, are you know, yeah. in the upper right corner, if you will. Yeah. And things that have low utilization and no value are in the near zero <laughs> on the axes. Well, I, um, and, th- and in this process, also a bit creeps in of the, is the, of the products the users like. And I've always been, you know, most of my career, I've been on the other side of this. So representing the vendor. So when I view your process from the vendor's eyes, I think, I think how important customer marketing is, right? Is to oh, look yeah. at your utilization of your products within an organization oh. and make sure that you're focused on that. Cause Absolutely. the time, the day of reckoning will come like this, right? And if also, there's any way you can, yeah. If yeah. there's any way you can measure utilization from yeah. your <laughs> from your, SaaS, your yeah. desktop, that's yeah. the best. Yeah. And also, I've seen so many times. Well, I mean, years and years ago, when I sold CMSs, I I represented a vendor, and I'd actually moved vendors, and the client with the potential client of my new vendor was saying, "This product can't do that." Now, I just come from that vendor. I knew full well they could, but their, yeah. you know, their, their user training, perception. Yeah, the perception was all bad. And if you lo- use your, if you lose your users as a vendor, then you're you're in a death spiral. At some point, you will be replaced. Anyway, there's a little bit of a rant. If you lose your users, you're going to be just using your losers. That's... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but the thing is, I think with, and we're going to go over time, but I, with this conversation, but I think that. We too often, when we're thinking about marketing, we're marketing to the senior level folks or we're those are yeah. the people that come into our customer events and stuff like that. But the actual people that use the product, if you piss them off, that eventually, you know, they'll be that 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 will percolate upwards and your product is going to get chucked out or marginalized in the, as they stick their credit card in yeah. and, and go for something else. But anyway, yeah. So so that was that the process, other. Sorry. Well, yeah, but the other thing in the, which I think is really important as you're assessing each tool is to do a, a process view because, yeah. you know, so there's always the, the debate about process versus technology mm-hmm. and skills and stuff like that. But yeah. the thing is that, you know, technology imposes or enables process. Yeah. And so, so if again, you go back to your goals and you say, okay, our yeah. goal is to, we do a lousy job on managing, you know, opportunities mm-hmm. from engagement to, to the, to the win. Mm-hmm. Uh, so map that out and yeah. what are the, what are the integrations and handoffs, whether they're personal, uh, you know, human handoffs or whether they're automated and, and, and look where the breakpoints are and look where the, um, you know, where things get, uh, you know, uh, um, what's the term you <laughs> block, you know, blocked in the, in the, in the process yeah. flow. And, and, and certainly, you know, I've, I've, did that for a client and it's like oh my god there's like a half a dozen places where mm. you're not able to go from when somebody's engaging to your website into how you're handling it within marketing and you're not able to you know do all of the 
You're not able to move all of the engagement into your CRM system or, you know, what, and, and, and it just, you know, right. and when you look at the process view, that's the picture paints a thousand yeah, words. Yeah. All of a sudden people go, Oh, yeah. Oh, I didn't realize we couldn't do that. Yeah. And, and that's the, so, you know, opportunity management's one way of looking at it, customer engagement, e-commerce conversions, so life cycle management. It's like, those are all processes that you yeah. can diagram out and show how the technology works. Yeah. Yeah. Or doesn't. And, and that's also going to test some of the integrations, isn't it, between the tools? It might not be that you need a new tool. You just need a better integration between the ones that you have. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. So we're going to move on to the fifth step. What's the next one? Prioritizing the actions. Mm-hmm. So, so obviously you've created, you've created gaps. Yeah. You've created redundancies. I mean, you've, you're, and you've visually shown where you've got maybe two technologies that are trying to do the same thing, even though, and sometimes the technologies may not look redundant, but they're, yeah, they, yeah. they have similar function or overlapping functionality. Yeah. So now you figure, what do I obsolete, can get away, you know, or get rid of to save money? What do I do to train people, you know, to improve utilization? Where do I integrate mm-hmm. to make processes work better? And, you know, where can I improve and streamline the processes? Yeah perhaps to correct for the poor value and utilization of the technology. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, and if once you've done your, that's where the high, medium, low in yeah. terms of cost and benefit comes into play. Because if I, I can now prioritize my list. I have things that have a high value that are low cost. I have things high value with medium cost all the way down to things that are just we're spending money on that aren't driving value. Yeah. And the other thing at this stage, isn't it, is, um, uh, although it's less prevalent now with SaaS software, it's more um, the when when you have on-premise software is look at whether you're actually using the latest version from your vendor, right? Yeah. And if that, yeah. that will then bring any of these benefits that you have by by going through an upgrade process or something like that. Yeah. So that's cool. So we're on to our sixth step. What's our sixth step? Well, sixth step in most processes is measure. <laughs> well, you know, do you know, well, I want to correct you on this because most of our steps, times we have five steps, right? So <laughs> that's true. That's true. <laughs> what well, to our you five should in things this week. If it, well, I, you know, anytime you're starting with a goal, <laughs> yes. the last thing you want to do is measure uh, to say that you've actually, yeah. you know, you've you've done what you intend to accomplish, and obviously yeah. that's going to happen later in the year. That's yeah. not happening in the midst of the, doing this this process. But again, if it's reducing budget or if it's driving a better outcome and, you know, I've worked with so many customers where we could either talk about reducing budget, yeah. we could talk about how, uh, like, you know, customers had actually improved their processes and their outcomes, mm-hmm. uh, sometimes at the same time, you know, they reduce budget and produce better outcomes. And yeah. so, you know, in order to get the, um, uh, the confidence and the respect for you being able yeah. to do this again the following year. <laughs> yeah, yeah. In other words, keep your job. Yeah. Uh, it, it, the measuring part is, I mean, it's not only important for that, but it's just, it's, it's important, important to be yeah. uh, a good steward for yeah. the organization. Yeah. And I, and I, I remember when you were at Serious Decisions, you actually published a case study, which, which um, where where somebody had made a significant saving uh, by going. Yeah. It was like a 40, 50% yeah. savings on the budget. Yeah. And then it was it was all around driving revenue, yeah. and and driving interactions into um, their CRM system, and they and again by by fixing integrating things, getting rid of stuff, they were able to do that. Yeah, and it it sort of undoes some of the sins of the past where we get obsessed with technology and we forget, don't we? So this really is realigning everything back to 
what we're here to try yep. and achieve, what are our outcomes, why are we doing this, you know, rather than yep. we have technology for technology's sake. Splendid. So those, those are great six steps for being the MarTech Grinch this Christmas. <laughs> 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 and the final thing in, the, uh, in our agenda is, uh, is what song are we going to go with, uh, Jeff? Well, I think something that fits with the theme, because I'm, I'm trying to think about the positive aspect uh-huh. of this. You know, we've, we've got our future, yeah. uh, you know, has been foretold. And yeah. so we now need to take steps about building to a better future. Yeah. So uh, so I, I pick Don't Stop, uh, and it's Don't Stop Thinking About Tomorrow by Fleetwood Mac, yeah. Mac in 1977. One of the reason I picked this is because last week Christine McVie, the uh, the composer of that yeah. song, uh, passed away recently, and um, as she says, "Open your eyes and look at the day. You'll see things in a different way." Splendid. And that applies to your tech stack too. Yeah, I love that. And uh, <laughs> yeah, and uh, yes, and I think it's good to, that we're doing this in honor of Christine McVie. And we're approaching the end of the seventies, so you never know. <laughs> <laughs> All right, mate. And uh, more importantly uh, than anything else, will I be admitted to the Rockstar CMO studio next week? Absolutely. (laughs) Your your VIP pass is ready at the door. (laughs) All right. I'll see you next week, mate. Thank you, Jeff. And that was Don't Stop Thinking About Tomorrow by Fleetwood Mac from 1977. What are your predictions for 2023? Let us know. You can find us at Rockstar CMO on LinkedIn or contact us through our website at rockstarcmo.com. Right. It's time for me to go back backstage with returning guest Grant Johnson for his third appearance. Grant is a serial CMO, currently the CMO at Embers. He's held the top marketing job in a string of B2B companies, including Kofax, Baker Systems, SDL and Silence, and is now sharing this experience as a mentor at CMOMentor.com. And this week, we dip into his blog as he shares his 12 pitfalls of being a CMO. Welcome back, Grant, to Rockstar CMO FM. How are you? I'm doing great, Ian. How are you doing? I'm doing good. It's good to speak to you again. And of course, for regular listeners, you'll know that, Grant, you've been on the show uh, for episode 135 and before that, episode 44. So hopefully people know a little bit about you already. But just for those that haven't listened before, what do you do? I'm a four-time CMO. I'm currently CMO in Burst. We're a spend management company. We help manage all things involved with travel, expense, invoice, automation, and payments, uh, which is a lot of fun. And I did start the CMO Mentor Project a couple months back to try to share, hopefully, a few of the lessons learned and uh, things, landmines to avoid. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it's a really good read. So I did, I put it, I'll put it in the show notes, but people have a look up CMO Mentor. Grant's got, sharing some great thoughts there. And like I say, last time you talked about, uh, or did I say last time you talked about being, you talked about the five C's of being a CMO, very positive about you know being a CMO. But as it's Christmas, and I guess it's a little bit of the Grinch, you've also been writing about um, the pitfalls of being a CMO. And I know you've put together 12 of those. And as it's sort of like the 12 days of Christmas for the holidays, 
Shall we crack through some of those? What are your, what are your 12 things that you think are pitfalls of being a CMO? Yeah, that sounds great. Let me just go through these one by one. In fact, yeah. one of those 12, I, I did a couple uh, uh, blogs on this. You contributed, so I'm going to have you actually do that one. Somewhere around the middle of this, I'm going to mic back over you, Ian. But the I first, don't remember which one it was. <laughs> oh it's like seven or eight. We'll get there. But it's build a little system. You, know, you, can, you can read ahead. But the first one is I like to say uh, when you're trying to become a CMO and that's you're aspiring to it in the first mm-hmm. Somebody offers you that job, you say, like, great, I finally made it to my goal, you know, head of marketing, you know, whatever that pinnacle is you're trying to reach. But I think you've got to determine, you know, is this me? And mm-hmm. uh, just because the, you know, the the market, the money, you know, is compelling and the, the position and all that comes with it sounds good. It, it, I found that the determining factor of uh, uh, success and and happiness is really the management team, uh, the culture, and having shared values. Like the opportunity would be great, and you're dealing with a bunch of jerks, and mm-hmm. people are undermining you and throwing marketing under the bus. It's like who wants that, right? You know, yeah, there's yeah. dumpster fires out there. Avoid it. So you know, well, the good times come and go, and the going gets tough. Is this a leadership team that you think will hold together, mm-hmm. support each other? Uh, and like, look, I, we've been through uh, COVID, you know, you, yeah, that's yeah. really a lot of companies. You could see the how the management team either, you know, frayed or fra- and fractured or you know solidified. So that'd be the first one. Right. And, and the, the thing, second, the, sorry okay, to, to interrupt, but for, for all of these, I want to ask, you know, how do you figure this out when you're going, going through the process? But I guess if we did that for all 12, we'd run out of time. But but I am interested in all of these 12. Like how. Um, it'd be interesting doing a follow-up is how is it as a prospective CMO, as a as marketing leader, how do you figure this out during the interview process? I mean, this one is so yeah. pivotal, isn't it? Yeah, maybe the, the other one I can share the, the, the interview questions I ask. Yeah, yeah. And and look at the ones that I get asked. And that's, yeah. you know, I, what I call I triangulate it. And is this yeah. adding or is this somebody, you know, is there a red herring in there? So we can, yeah. we can come back to that one. The second one mm-hmm. is, uh, is there clarity over the, uh, scope with your role. There's, uh, I think we all know, anybody who's a student of marketing knows Seth Godin, <laughs> pretty famous. And he said, you know, the CMO, as much as, you know, you, 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 you want to be dynamic, you're, in a, you're a change agent, you really shouldn't be the, the chief hype office, officer, you know, uh, and not have the commensurate responsibilities uh, of what you're going to be held accountable for. Some heads of marketing I've seen, you know, specs or talk to peers were like they don't have comps. Like there's a separate head of comps. Like that's yeah. that doesn't make sense. Or like the website, which you know, it's a yeah. key part of prospect and customer experience, doesn't report it to them. Um, and so uh, you've got to make sure that your uh, remit and your uh, your resources are aligned, so you have a chance to succeed. And that includes, you know, what's the magnitude of the change that I'm expecting accomplish what budget, what resource people and, you know, financial resource do I have to succeed? And is this doable? Like, let's say I've come in a situation where, you know, marketing was contributing, and this is key on all the minds of CMOs, you know, uh, 30% of the pipeline and the, and the CEO says, well, you need to double that with right. the same. Budget. Well, <laughs> yeah, I, I, can, I can work miracles, but I don't walk on water. So that <laughs> clarity is key. Right. And the second one, and this, you know, this actually starts before you say yes to a job. I have to give John Ellett, who wrote the CMO Manifesto credit for this one, is mm-hmm. setting expectations. 
Mm-hmm. And before you even say yes, uh, which is to, to know what, well, I'd like to ask the question, okay, here's a sneak peek for the next time, is yeah. a year goes by, how do you describe what I've accomplished? Yeah, yeah. Like, what have I done? What impact have I made? What's changed? What's gotten mm-hmm. better? What have we stopped that made no sense before? Um, And then, you know, you really can calibrate and understand like, okay, these are the outcomes that I know I can deliver. I want to deliver. I get excited by, or yeah, I'm not so sure I want to go do that. Right. So I think that's three. Yeah. What's your four? And four is out of alignment. And Mm -hmm. what's the key? I, I like out of alignment of CMO pitfall because, you know, having done this a few times, you know, you can say, oh, great, we're aligned, we're locked arms, it's the go-to-market team, sales, marketing, channels, partners, whatever. And what happens is we are, which makes technology marketing exciting, we're in very dynamic markets, you know, market shifts, economic shifts, competitive shifts, new entrants. And so therefore priorities shift. And not mm-hmm. every company has the, you know, uh, resolute discipline of adhering to the plan. Like, okay, now we have a new priority mm-hmm. And next thing you know, you're you're out of alignment. Like you know, you were you were. Uh, let's say I was I'm, I'm mentoring a in C, my CMO mentorship. In addition to my full time job, I mentor a couple what I call early tenure CMOs. And one of them was saying, "Hey, look, I met with a the board. They said you need to focus all your resources on SMB." So I started doing that. A quarter later, uh, a new CRO comes <laughs> in. And says, hey, we had a knockdown enterprise. We only we need fewer deals. And they said they asked, the board says, "What the hell are you doing?" I said. Well, Somebody moved the cheese, right? So she had quite a shift and she'd created all this motion marketing, Mm -hmm. driving SMB. And now she needed to shift the enterprise, which, by the way, takes longer. And so uh, you've got to make sure you you get the feedback, stay in alignment, keep confirming. Hey, this is what we want to do. And so I think that's four. Yeah, uh, yeah. And that, I'm sorry, just to interrupt that. I mean, that one there isn't just an interview question, is it? That is a, how do we keep the business in, in line? How do we as the marketing leaders stay in touch with these changing needs, right? And, and try and guide people in, in, in the fact that they have to commit to some of these things, right? And, and you have to say no. I mean, look, sales yeah, is famous. Yeah. I mean, how about this? And how about that? And, yeah. you know, even CEO or others, everybody has ideas. Like if you're in finance, somebody says, well, why don't you change the numbers? Well, they are. They are marketing. Everybody's got an opinion. <laughs> hey, do this. I'll often say, hey, it's a great idea. And, uh, you know, we're really busy executing heads down on the plan. And mm-hmm. I think we can try that next quarter. Right. <laughs> next, you, you can't be interrupt driven. You got to be focused. So Absolutely. the next one is what I call not nurturing C-suite partnerships. And this is one of my sort of lessons learned. Like, hey, I knew I needed to align with the CRO. But mm-hmm. I learned after the first time I got to also really align with the CTO, the, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the, the head of customer success, which is often a, yeah. a really key element in the, in the cross-sell customer-based marketing. And the CFO, like, you know, when times are tough and the CFO, you know, have a good relationship, says, well, let's cut marketing. That's a variable expense. Well, mm-hmm. there's a consequence of cutting any expense. And in the case of, you know, the responsibility to build pipeline, if you just – Cut the budget, you know, if you go from $4 million to $3 million, you probably are going to cut your pipeline creation by a third. Maybe you can get 10% of, uh, more efficient. But as we said earlier, you're not going to get 50% more efficient overnight. No, absolutely. Yeah, so absolutely. I think, you know, you want to speak in the language of the CHRO or the, the mm-hmm. chief people officer, uh, the CFO, you know, uh, make sure you're a partner to both. Uh, and you help them, you know, achieve their goals that, like, you know, HR wants to help, you know, in, engage. Yeah. Uh, recruit and retain. So help help them do that. I mean, you know, brand marketing can help with that. Uh, and communications, of course. 
And then with the, the CFO, you know, get the metrics that give them the visibility and confidence. Like I can go to our current CFO and say, look, I can tell you with certainty based on this historical performance of the last 12 months, if we invest 500,000 500, more, we'll generate 2 million more for this particular product wow. line. Yeah, and they'll yeah. say, okay, great. Now, you know, they may not say here's 500,000, but at least you've, you've created that credibility. Yeah. Yeah. And I also like your point about the chief people officer or chief HR officer, because I think that's often forgotten, isn't it? As, as like a big part of our role as a CMO is to, is to retain, attract and inspire great people with our brand, with what we're doing from a marketing perspective. And we play a big role in that, don't we? It's often overlooked in our, in our pressure to create demand, right? Yeah, you're absolutely right. And, yeah. you know, look, um, the, with the disruption of COVID and most places yeah. are remote first or hybrid that it's hard to maintain these relationships, you know, yeah. because you're not, you know, meeting uh, in the office or for a, for a pine after work, whatever it might be. <laughs> yeah. 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 Next one. Um, number six is, mm-hmm. is CEO. And uh, I, you know, it can be really intimidating if you're working for a, there's no weak, CEOs that are timid, I should say, they, you know, they may be relatively stronger or not, but, uh, you know, get to know them on a personal level. I, I think I've done a really good job of that over the last three years here with our uh, CEO. And uh, I think it's, it, you know, it pays dividend. You have to invest the time. I will tell you, one of my stops as a, a CMO, I found out that the uh, the CEO liked to get bagels on Saturdays. And, mm-hmm. um you know, just because it's something you like to do. And, you know, and, and so I could have, hey, let me join you one day. Right. And I found out one of my peers came in and he said, oh, yeah, I was just having, you know, bagels. With the CEO was, gosh, I should have probably done that because when tough time, <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm not to say you have to break bread or drink, you know, wine with them. That, that doesn't hurt either. But uh, I think that that is really going to help you and you can keep in touch and also just request feedback. You know, like you have to be able to know where you're not succeeding. The worst mm-hmm. thing that happen is like, you know, I remember asking a CEO, um, like, how do you manage? He says, well, you know, if you're doing a good job, you get lots of lots of rope. If you're not, I'm going to be inside your shorts, you know, so you don't. <laughs> and so you want to say, hey, are we still on track? You know, yeah, you know, we had yeah. one of my CEOs. I could see uh, he would look at his notes and he got how are we doing on these things? He liked to track, you know, so I'd, yeah. I'd be ready for that list. Is that still on the list? OK, we can check that one off your list. OK, cool. Now are we tra- what, what are we tracking? So I, I think, think yeah, that's all. It's also human nature for anybody, even powerful people, to not want to give bad news, isn't it? So you have to create that sort of safe conversation environment where you get that feedback, which is essential, that you both trust each other that that, that that feedback can be given, right? Well, yeah, and that relates to that's why I did this one after the yeah. C-suite. You know, you, you ask the CFO this year, like, how are we doing? How's my yeah. team doing? Yeah. What can we do better, different? And, you know, and then what I call is like the board meeting missions. And again, this mm-hmm. is just a learn is I didn't know this my first time as a CMO. I relied on the CEO. I went to a board meeting. One of the new board members who shall remain nameless uh, <laughs> undermined, uh, shot down an idea that the CEO loved. And I thought, well, gosh, you're the founder the CEO. Why didn't you support it? It's like, yeah. well, you're on your own here. And so what, <laughs> I, what I learned was if I've got a change initiative, you know, something that's mm-hmm. any sort of you know strategic endeavor or risk to the business, you know, talk to one, ideally two board members and say, hey, you yeah. know, Mary or Larry can kind of run this by you. What do you think? And how do you think this will go at the board meeting? And that way, you know, they can they can chime in and say, hey, this is a pretty good idea. They don't have to say, hey, we discussed it before. And they generally don't. Right. Yeah, but yeah. it kind of gives you uh, they can coach you on like I remember I was I had an idea 
uh, one of my stints and the board member gave really good advice. You know, that's not really a strategic thing. Do it. You just go do it. Like the board doesn't want to talk about, but this other idea you have, let's bring that one up. So you can, you just, you know, it helps you succeed at board meetings. These are often, you know, very high intensity, uh, microscopic analyses of, of your plans of performance. So, you know, you know, bring some allies. <laughs> yeah, and it's it's a difficult call, isn't it? Because you think that the board are going to be interested in these t- high level strategic things, but sometimes they're really interested in in some of the detail, and will be impressed with you in having that conversation. But unless you have those pre meetings, you don't really know, do you? And, and so you could be talking over their heads about strategic stuff, thinking that's what the board are interested in, and they want to dive into the details sometimes. And sometimes they shouldn't, but they do, right? And like you say, you don't want that. You don't want to fuck up in a meeting like that. Yeah, no, I, th- that's exactly it. Uh, yeah, yeah. So um, I, I'm going to give you a, a, a little a preview. You're number nine. Number eight. <laughs> <laughs> number eight, the honeymoon is over. I love this uh-huh. one because... The cold reality is the average temperature CMO is somewhere between, you know, two to three years. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm pretty happy. I've d- done more than three years at three places. So yeah. I must yeah. be doing something. I'm not sure yet. But the thing <laughs> is, you all get a one-year honeymoon. It seems that, you know, like I made a hire, unless you totally screw up, you got to have a great first year. But th- what happens is I was at one of my CMO stints and I was sitting down to my annual review. The CEO said, you know, unbelievable first year, you know, great job. Your second year wasn't so good. <laughs> I was like, Geez, yeah. I didn't feel good. And it, yeah. But, you know, he was right. I looked at what I did the first year because I came in with a whirlwind and changed plans. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I wouldn't say I was on cruise control. I wasn't pushing as hard. So I said I redoubled, took the feedback. So, look, what can I do to make year three yeah. as big an impact or bigger than year one? And so, you know, it was really good advice. And, I, you know, I've heard Nick Meta. I don't know if you follow him at all from Gainside. He said, hey, CEO, fire yourself every year. What he meant by that yeah. is just because you've done what you've done, doesn't mean that'll get you to the next stage you want to go. So I just think having that, hey, it's a new year, whether you're on a fiscal year or a calendar year, are they aligned to think like, what can we do to improve? I'm always telling my team, we want to have more measurable impact. It's not effort, it's impact. Yeah, yeah. And and there's a common thread here, isn't it, of communication, isn't it? And getting that feedback. I mean, to know, just to know, that you, you, you didn't quite hit the mark in the second year and the perception that was come across. I mean, that, it sounds like that was a positive conversation. You could bring change, but sometimes that conversation doesn't happen and you don't get the opportunity to bring change, right? right. So that's... You, you, you get asked to take time off. That, that happens. That's the <laughs> yeah, yeah. I always yeah. go to the top, understand it's the high reward and high risk. You know, they go hand in hand. So I'm going to turn over this next one to you. <laughs> All right. So number nine, and just to give you a little background to the listeners is, Grant, you actually went out and asked a bunch of people for their pitfalls, right? And I, I was, you know, you, you were very nice in, in using one of the things I contributed. So the thing I contributed really was that we need to balance our desire for doing the right thing from a pure marketing perspective with the needs and wants of the business, right? So my example of this is, um, we naturally want to be bold. We want to differentiate our brands. We want to stand out in the market. But that's sometimes seen as risky for some other members of the management team or the board. And you need to take them along that path. So you can't just be standing out front with a big flag going, we're, we're on top of this hill. You need to bring people with you. And you may feel as a marketer, that's not bold enough or that's not moving fast enough. But if you don't do that, there's like a little piece of elastic that you're stretching out. And once that pings you know, that's it for you. You know, they're going to want to work with somebody that's right with you. So, it, and it really is a, 
you know, it's the advice you've already given is, is being hooked into the C-suite and the board and what they need and just going far enough that you're pushing with your marketing, um, you know, what you want to do as a marketer, but if you've got that strength of the board. So that's that was my my contribution. And thank you very much for using it. I love that. I mean, because, you know, it's, it's like the, the adage of like you want followership. Uh, that's what leadership people want to follow you. But if they're not with yeah. you and you're yeah. doing this thing, they want you to do that thing then it doesn't matter how good it is. It's not going to be appreciated. So that's like you say, you've got to always uh, yeah. calibrate on that. And you've got to be really in tune with the different voices and the different sort of where, how different people feel on the board, because it might be, you've got a champion, one champion. I've had that where I've had one champion and it's gone and gone and gone. But then you realize the rest of the board aren't with either of you and both of you. Know, you know I mean? Like it does, you know, and, it, and you still get, you know, it right. still goes badly well, for both of well, you. So yeah, let's go off this cliff together. All right, so number two, <laughs> yeah. unless it's in the water, it may be okay. But if it's on, if you're landing on dirt, not so fun. Over yeah. your strengths, I have to credit John Miller, CMO mm-hmm. of Demand Base, former co-founder of Marketo, great guy. Wow. Marketing is a complex function, right? You know, you've got demand gen, corporate marketing, product marketing, brand marketing, ops, and yeah. every CMO, you know, generally comes to function. They've got a major in one or more, mm-hmm. and a minor in the others, right? And a common pitfall is like if hire people like you, they think like you. Uh, you know, and so forth. And, um, but they don't, uh, they don't compliment you as well as they could. Right. And so you need to actually hire people that are really strong in areas that you're not as strong. Like, for example, you know, uh, you know, I brought in a person uh, at, at the company who uh, really just loved like get into the MarTech stack. Like I can do the MarTech stack and I understand yeah. it, but I don't stay up nights. Be, you know, how do we become like, you know, Marketo certified level four and, you know, yeah. website certified, you know, level five. It's like, I'm glad somebody's worrying about, you know, <laughs> all the operational integration improvements because yeah. uh, while I could do it, it's not, you know, and I understand what needs to be done. Y- yeah. You've got to have somebody who who not only has that, but, you know, shares mm-hmm. my view, at least on uh, continuous improvement. You're sort of never there, right? You're at a place that's good enough. And then you, how do you get better? Yeah. The last two, um, and not necessarily particular order of importance, but mm-hmm. this one could, you know, could almost make this number one. So I've heard from so many CMOs, uh, CML hotels and otherwise, I got this from Kevin Doohan, who I've known through the CMO groups, um, uh, market your marketing, right? And mm-hmm. uh, you, you may be doing great work, sales may like it, customers, prospects like it, you know, some other groups like it, but, you know, people just, the, 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 the C-suite isn't aware of it. Uh, you know, while it's clear to see that sales made the number, didn't marketing is contribution, even if you're creating pipeline and, you know, signing up customers for your annual event or getting more testimonials and other sort of artifacts of impact, you know, you've got to like, it doesn't mean you need a monthly newsletter, but you certainly need to be communicating. Here's what we've done. Here's the difference it's made before, after, you know, uh, picture painting, uh, storytelling and educating, uh, the, the, the influencers on what, it, what do we do in marketing? What is the tangible impact? What were our goals? What do we achieve? And that way you can make them allies instead of critics. You still made somebody say, I, well, I wouldn't have done that ad or that campaign. Yeah, yeah. But in general, they'll be more supportive. And then last, uh, number 12 for our Grinch special here is <laughs> why you chose marketing in the first place. I mean, anytime <laughs> you start a new job, you're, we talked about you're hungry, you're pumped, you're excited. And uh-huh. then you, know, you get you know, interrupt driven and you have deadlines and deliverables and setbacks. And 
But the reason I chose marketing is the same reason I'd choose it if I had to make the decision as a college grad today. Mm-hmm. I call it's, it's one of the few fields that's a full brain function. It requires mm-hmm. to be really good, especially uh, I think B2C and B2B. You've got to have both right brain, you know, the visual intuitive, the brand, the sense mm-hmm. of brand character sensibilities, communication nuances. And you've got to have left brain. You've got to be analytical you know it's an art and a science and so you've got to be at once precise grasp complex ideas numbers at a high level of abstraction but also command you know technical ideas and know what good is like i'll often say hey that's good but we could do better well what do you mean i think it's good enough well actually it's not good enough and then we get to better so oh yeah i'm glad you pushed us on that it is better and so if you feel like hey i just want to be you know left brain or right brain you know you can still succeed in marketing but that's what to me is sustaining is like it's it's always challenging and it, it uses your whole brain. <laughs> mm. Yeah, no, that's good. And I also think, um, what, I mean, it's so intuitive. Uh, no, it's so great always talking to you, Grant. But then, then I'm thinking, I wish I'd cho- chosen marketing earlier in my career because it's absolutely that. As you say, you can combine that creativeness with that analytics and stuff. So that that's perfect. So those are the 12 pitfalls of being a CMO for the holidays. Thank you very much for your time, Grant. I know you're incredibly busy and we absolutely shot through those. So I look forward to getting you back on the show, maybe talking about some of these things and perhaps how we might avoid some of these pitfalls when we're being interviewed and stuff. So that's yeah, no, that, that's, that's great. Yeah, we uh, we kept to our time target, it looks like, yeah. and uh, always yeah. great to uh, talk to Ian. Listen, if we don't talk before the new year, happy holidays uh, as you, and, 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 and uh, prosperous uh, new year. Thank and uh, look forward to, to being a continued listener. Uh, on Rockstar. <laughs> Thank you, Grant. And just one last thing for listeners. Uh, when they spin the dial on the interwebs, where are they going to find you, mate? Yeah, I just I made it easy. Grant E. Johnson 1. So I'm mm-hmm. Grant E. Johnson 1 at Gmail, Grant E. Johnson 1 on Twitter, Grant E. Johnson 1 on LinkedIn. Uh, I don't know who 2 is, but you can send them. <laughs> <one. laughs> well, they're all, they're all number 2 to me, mate. You're always going to be number 1, Grant Johnson. Thank you, mate. And I'll speak to you very soon. And enjoy the Thank holidays you. yourself. Bye-bye. Splendid. Thank you, Grant. Love catching up with my old boss. I'll include a link to his website, cmomentor.com, in the show notes. Right, it's time to wind down the week in the Rockstar CMO virtual bar and be transported away for a cocktail and a marketing thought with my friend and content marketing guru, Robert Rose. Good evening, Robert. What are you drinking? Oh, what have you done with this? <laughs> I forgot I, it was that week. Uh, <laughs> what is going on in here? It it seems you've brought in an entire hundred and twenty piece orchestra, and what, it sounds like they're all tuning up. They're all they're all tuning up, getting ready for. It's just so loud in here with them. Normally this bar is small, but boy, you've got 120 people in here, all the violins and tuxedos and tuning up for some. Are you having a concert here? Is it yeah, absolutely. So I, I, I mean, surely you remember that every year we have a Christmas concert. Ah, indeed. <laughs> indeed. Indeed. Yeah, um, yes, I, I was already prepared. I knew exactly I what you what was going on in the bar today. I see. Well, luckily we have a we have a cocktail that could feed all 120 of these folks. I mean, that's that's good. It's a very easy one. Uh, 
this week. Um, yes, it, it, to set, to continue our sort of autumn theme or fall theme, yeah. as, as it were, yeah. um, as we get prepared for the Christmas holiday and, 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 and the advent of winter and all of those things. Mm-hmm. Um, well, we have a, uh, this is also continuing from, from last week when we talked uh, about uh, having ginger beer or ginger ale. Yes. Um, and I've, of course, the only time I drink ginger ale or ginger beer yeah. is this time of year. Mm-hmm. And um, I love it. And I, so for the second week in a row, we're going to do a little bit of a, of a ginger beer cocktail. Um, mm-hmm. And so this is called a pomegranate ginger beer cocktail. Oh. And so this brings in the California, if you will, of, of yeah. you know, to the whole situation. And so, uh, and pomegranates are in season right now. So it's a lovely time to actually do that. Um, mm-hmm. And so it's basically, if you, if you find uh, this uh, ginger, your ginger ale, of course, but then what you want is pomegranate juice or liqueur if you can find it. But, but, but pomegranate juice uh, yes. is all you really need. Um, and, um, and again, you can pretty much find that in, in most places these <laughs> days. It's relatively popular. Then you want a little bit of dry vermouth, um, right. uh, eh, probably four ounces in your, in your, you know, in your, in your sort of couple of, uh, serving two or something like that. If you're, if we're, if we're doing yeah. two, um, and then a little bit of orange bitters. Um, mm-hmm. and then of course the ginger beer to top, uh, all of that. And then a little orange peel for garnish. And so the vermouth is really our, you know, is, is ready right, our liquor. liquor, unless you go with a pomegranate liqueur. Um, mm-hmm. Or play around. You can play around with this and add in uh, other liqueurs if you if you like that. You know, more citrusy or those kinds yes. of liqueurs will be better in this. Um, and it's just a lovely, wonderful, this very refreshing, I have to say, um, for a That's California delicious. fall. It sounds delicious, um, but uh, would you think gin would work in it in any way? Uh, it, it will have to, won't it? Um. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll attempt to make that very drink with, from, with only the ingredients from my desktop bar. Um, and so I am going to start off, actually, dry vermouth. I do have some dry vermouth, but I don't have it on my bar at the moment. So I'm going to start off with some, oh, ice. Did you put any ice in yours? Did you put ice in yours? Uh, yes, there is ice in this yeah. drink for sure. This is on the rocks, yeah. Oh, it's on the rocks, good. So I've put some ice in there. I've put some, well, rocks in there. I've put some of my lovely Hendrix gin in there. And then uh, p- pomegranate juice and ginger beer. <laughs> well, I mean, it just goes without saying. That's obviously very, very similar to um, cucumber tonic water, right? And that's I'm... right. That's yeah, right. That is that is really it. just not anything that's in this drink. But it, <laughs> it sounds it is. really lovely. The cucumber is the most English of pomegranates as well. Indeed. You know, sir. Let me try this. Mm. That is delicious. Very nice. I could drink one of these every week. And what are we calling this? We're just going to call this the pomegranate ginger beer cocktail. It is mm. just exactly what's in it. There's nothing, nice. nothing cute about the titling here. No, no, it's quite unimaginative, actually, the name of this, Robert, for you. Yeah, well, indeed, <laughs> indeed. I'm, you know, <laughs> give me four or five of these and I might, uh, I might. <laughs> I think something. <laughs> Where are we drinking these? Uh, we're going to come to California for this because Lovely. it is California fall here, mm-hmm. which means that it is spectacular weather. This is the best time to come to yeah. California, which is late fall, early winter. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and it is just a beautiful time here. So we're going to head up to the mountains into a yeah. place called Big Bear. Uh, Big Bear is about an hour and a half away from Los Angeles, depending on whether there's snow on the ground or not. Um, so mm-hmm. you climb up the mountain, you get into Big Bear, and there's cabins and trees, and there's a beautiful lake called Lake Arrowhead, um, wow. and some pretty good restaurants. It's mostly comfort food. It's not great restaurants, but there's a great bar in Big Bear, um, and uh, and j- you feel like you're in a little bit of a, a Southern California, but uh, mm-hmm. ski resort sort of combination and it's just a it's a great place for us to sip these things and look out over the mountains and uh and hang out that's the amazing well that's i mean that's one of the amazing things about where you live isn't it and you're an hour and a half away from going skiing and it's probably you can actually do it yeah the big urban legend is that you can do breakfast on the mountains lunch at the beach uh and or i should say breakfast on the mountain lunch in the desert and then dinner at the beach um, oh, wow. And you can do that. And I have done it. You, you can't, it's not a pleasant day. I will tell you that because <laughs> it's a lot of driving, but um, yeah, it's a, it, you can actually do it. And I have done it. Oh, that sounds fabulous. Well, anyway, so we're up in the cabins in, in Big Bear um, and conversation is exhausted and it turns to marketing. What are we going to talk about this week, Robert? We're going to talk about something that has come up in the last couple of weeks as I've been working with uh, mm-hmm. clients here. And it's fascinating. And, and I've sort of been, toying with the sort of big idea question here, but basically it's where does content go uh, in the, in, you know, where does it fit in the yeah. business? And what I mean by that is that inevitably when we start talking with a client about governance and operations of content, mm-hmm. that it's really difficult to not talk about the entire governance and operations of the company. Mm-hmm. Um, because what you quickly discover is that content is in everything. Right. Um, and it's really hard to separate those things. Let me give you an example. You've got a business and you've got a technology team and you've got a marketing team and you've got an HR team and you've got a legal team and you've got a sales right. team. You've got all these teams that are relatively siloed, but let's assume that it's mm-hmm. functional business and they're, they're, they communicate well with one another. Um, and in that, Somebody says, you know what? We need a chat bot on our customer experience. <laughs> yeah. And somebody goes, great. That's a great, wonderful idea. A chat bot would be a great way to create a better customer experience on our website. Yeah. And we can link to it on social. So it crosses a lot of different, you know, it crosses a lot yeah. of different functions in, in the business. There's legal involved, you know, sales to some extent maybe get involved. Mm-hmm. Technology will absolutely be involved. And then you go, great. Is a chat bot a technology project that has content associated with it, or is it a content project with technology associated with it? Yeah. And it either is right. Either of those <laughs> things is right, you know, because right. at the heart of a chatbot is the great content that you're going to fill it with to learn how to mm-hmm. respond to queries. Same thing mm-hmm. with replatforming the website, right? We're going to replatform the website with a content management system. Is that an IT project that has mm-hmm. content involved, mm-hmm. uh, or is it a content project that has technology and IT involved? And yeah. either again is the right answer. Branding, doing a rebrand and remessaging. Is that a content with brand involved or is that brand with content involved? All so on and so forth. What we're finding is, is that these companies are f- finding it difficult to figure out where's the common input, right? Where's the yeah. it's a chicken and egg a little bit of a kind of a thing because content fits yeah. into everything we're going to do from big initiatives, right? Mm-hmm. And so when we start talking about things like Let's form an editorial board for the day-to-day management of, you know, how to create 
thought leadership and big content projects and all those kinds of things. It's like fantastic. Well, that editorial board suddenly goes, well, shouldn't they be the one to review the chatbot project or look at the rebranding or look at the replatforming? It's like, maybe, maybe not. Maybe it doesn't hit their desk until somebody else is going to be managing that, right? It's the technology group or the branding group or whoever's going to be managing that big thing. And they're just brought in as, you know, in the traditional sort of racy idea, consulted on that project. And it's really hard to segment that. And what we're learning, by the way, uh, out of all of this, because it is a thorny problem. But what we're learning is, is that the decision about those things is less important than making one. In other words, it's really just the conscious acknowledgement by the group of what these things are, putting definitions to these terms, putting yeah, definitions yeah. to these ideas. That is the important part. It's not necessarily a best practice to do one way or the other. In other words, it's just important to say what the chatbot project is. Is it a technology project with content or a content project with technology? It's just mm-hmm. the importance is making a decision, not what decision you make. Right, right. And what and the importance there is uh, is that because of the, who's who because you started off talking about governance is it is is it important to have that defined because of the ownership and governance and and maybe the race and order and all that kind of stuff? Well, it's it, it's it's because the way that content is, and this and this is this is specific to content is yeah. that in in other projects. So if it's a content project, what's the first thing yeah. we think about? content right what's what what's the content going to be right what's the experience going to be for the person that's going to be going through Mm -hmm. this experience and that by the way is whether it's an intranet whether it's a website whether it's a chat bot whether it's a cms system whether it's documentation and technical documentation it's you know what is the experience going to be so we think about content that's arguably a great place to start all kinds of projects like this but that is often not where things get started if it's going to be a technology project or a marketing or a branding or yeah, this yeah. kind of thing, right? They start yeah. with the requirements of the business and the functionality and the, they design yeah. it that way. And content is usually, and here's the rub, the last thing that's thought about. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and so yeah. by the time yeah. that it gets the radar of yeah. the people who are responsible for putting content in, one, they've had no input into what's going to get done. So therefore yeah. they're f- fitting into you know, templates or fitting into content areas, suboptimal ways of creating content. The classic of this is when CMS templates get done. And so you start creating this sort of weird hierarchy of, you know, what I call content about the content, right? Where, you know, (laughs) you sort of have to, because you have to fill all the wells of the content of a web page. If you just want to make one little addition that doesn't fit, you have to make a whole new web page. So you either have to duplicate all that other content and basically, so it doesn't look stupid or make up stuff. Right. And so that, because it hasn't been considered, it's often the last thing considered. So the question is always, where does it come in? And the content teams will often say, please, as early as possible. Um, But that's the importance of making that decision so that you know where content's going to be brought into that project Mm -hmm. and it can be brought in at the appropriate part. Yeah. Yeah. But, and I think also, um, if you're thinking about a content strategy and the content distribution, all that kind of stuff and what your content's going to be used for, um, these little silo thinkings, I mean, it just made me chuckle. We said, oh, we need a chatbot. 
So many of these projects are only going to be successful if they have great content behind them. But as you say, the content isn't the thing that's first considered. So in order for a chatbot to be any good, it requires content, right? It requires you, know, right. you to that's have right. a good understanding of what questions might be asked, what a good insight into the customer, all these sorts of things that a good marketing team or a good content marketing team should already know. So that they should be absolutely there in the meeting day one when somebody says, shall we create a chatbot? And I completely agree with you on that. Yeah, it's why it, it's why content strategy is such an important function, yeah. right? Because it yeah. because when we think of content, the knee jerk reaction is to think, ah, it's marketing, it's communications, it's yeah. PR, it's yeah. it's all yeah. the promotional stuff that we're talking and yeah. putting in front of people. But yeah. and in fact, it, it it is much broader than that, right? It is much, you know, I mean, arguably, the content strategy should extend into things like. How are new invoices getting designed? Yeah. What's the new, you know, what's the new template or look and feel of the contracts that are getting put yeah. in front of new vendors? Yeah. It should, you know, it should extend to all of those things because Absolutely. all of those are ultimately communication vehicles with how we, you know, yeah. present ourselves to different audiences. In this case, sometimes vendors, sometimes analysts, sometimes yeah. uh, journalists, some, you know, other audiences other than customers. So yeah. you would hope that that brand, that, experience that we yeah. put so much pride into extends into that. And, you know, this is top of mind for me because I've been very lucky in we're working with a number of new clients right now. So I've been going through myriad procurement systems um, <laughs> and legal contracting and yeah. onboarding documents yeah. for vendors. Yeah. And I will tell you there it's awful. It's for most yeah, of them. And yeah, these are yeah. companies that have great brands and great yeah. uh, experiences for customers. But yeah. the procurement slash onboarding slash legal experience yeah. is just absolutely horrific. And it's yeah. because it gets it, content is the last thing considered. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Or brand. I mean, or brand voice or all of that good stuff. I mean, when you were talking just there, I'm thinking about because I'm involved in some branding projects and I'm thinking about um, the same way about brand is that brand you know it, it's like almost your whole company strategy needs to be focused around brand and content right. because you're it, because it's it's the promise that you're making and i i agree with you even when it comes down to these kind of more transactional things that your brand voice and your content strategy should be touching on those things so that there's that consistency of experience right right and you know i mean that's yeah. Yeah. for many companies you know of size that's an overwhelming yeah, proposition yeah. right you know oh my yeah. god you're talking about everything we do <laughs> yeah, and, yeah you know and 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 in some cases right you know i've had this conversation right i had it recently with a cfo at an event who was like you know you keep talking about content and he <laughs> said that's you know that's everything that's every communication we make with a customer and i'm like yeah. and i just let it hang there yeah. i'm like <laughs> yeah. it's kind of an awkward silence but <laughs> yeah do you do you understand now that it's important yeah, and and the answer to the that is yes i do but it's overwhelming the amount of i mean i can't even conceive of how we would change yeah. everything we do from a communication vehicle and yeah. container of those communications yeah, yeah. as one strategy and i'm like right that's yeah. you're right you're you're not wrong there that doesn't mean yeah. we shouldn't try no absolutely and oh my god i mean this um, this one, this one, I think we could do a, almost a whole show on because it comes into the culture and enablement, doesn't it, of your team? It's like 
you want people to then naturally think like that. So even if they are the guy that's drafting the contract they're going to send to you as a vendor, that they're, that they're thinking about themselves as a representative of the brand, both in terms of voice and, and the way it looks and the quality and all that good stuff, right? Is, well, it's that's where it starts, our, yeah. Yeah, all of our teams are brand stewards, aren't we? So It, yeah, it, it starts, it, that's exactly right. It starts with yeah, common yeah. common standards and 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 yeah. and ways of working. You know, which, you know, you would you would think things like yeah. legal and accounting would be yeah. similarly overwhelming, but mm-hmm. big businesses have been able to make that work. Yeah. Um, you know, and so yeah. the same wow. can be true for content. Yeah, we yeah. can create those enterprise wide standards and guidelines yeah. and, you know, and have real ramifications if those things aren't adhered to. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and technology certainly enables us to scale that a lot better than we than we certainly used to but it there's a consciousness a willingness that has to happen and this is where i get to my point about the decision is more important than what the decision is Mm -hmm. is Mm -hmm. there has to be a consciousness that this is important enough to make a decision on because most of the time it's not most of the time there is it's just sort of like i don't know you just uh, we just do it we just we just (laughs) you know it's a big project it's going to be unwieldy we're only going to do it once every five or ten years so why do we need a you know why do we need a a a template or or a definition of that if it's something we only do once every ten years well no we need for all you know you do this Mm -hmm. project once every 10 years but you do a project like it probably once every six months and so having a definition of that kind of idea that process is what is what is important especially in today's world with multi-channel and digital and so many different ways of expressing ourselves yeah yeah and so easy to accidentally create a silo you know right right just just human nature i love that so your question was where does the content go sounds like it goes everywhere I love that. <laughs> yes, that's right. And yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, basically, somebody somebody said to me the, the the other day. They asked. They said, "Where should the content strategy team report into?" And I said, "Yes." Um, <laughs> and they meant, "What do you what do you mean by yes?" And I mean, it should report into somewhere. I don't care. It just it doesn't really matter as long as it's an acknowledged function in the business Absolutely. and it has the requisite power and responsibilities and yeah. other abilities to do what it needs to do. It doesn't matter where it reports into as long as the business consciously acknowledges that it should and could and would and will exist. Yeah, and is enabled. Yeah, absolutely. So um, if people are looking for where your content goes, where are they going to look? <laughs> oh, I don't know, dude. I, I just, you know, <laughs> whatever, you know, <laughs> Google, I guess. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. You know, we have a little website called contentadvisory.net that we do some things on occasionally on every now and again. Yeah. And you are reg- and also you regularly write for Content Marketing Institute. So you, you do a good That's weekly, true. Content Marketing Institute is where you'll find me on a weekly basis yeah, for yeah. sure. And when people spin the dial on the Instagram website, they're going to find you. They're going to find me uh, a lot on LinkedIn these days and also oh, Mastodon. Wow. Come, you know, it's so it's uh, I am at Robert at experienceadvisors.io. And by the way, if you're experimenting with uh, Mastodon and you want a sort of a server that is fun, marketing centric, and just mm-hmm. sort of easy to get into, come on over to experienceadvisors.io. We're, we're, we're taking folks on. We created a little okay. server over there for Mastodon and we're having a good time. Love it. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm there too. All right, mate. And uh, most importantly for me, are you going to be in the bar next week? Oh, indeed. I look forward to it. I'll see you then. Cheers.
Thank you, Robert. Great points there as usual. You may have noticed that all my interviews went slightly long this week, so thank you for indulging us as we covered quite a lot of ground. So, that's a wrap on episode 144 of the Rockstar CMO Effing Marketing Podcast. Thanks to Jeff, Grant and Robert for sharing their insight. But most of all, thank you for dropping a dime into your podcasting jukebox, selecting our track and jiving along with us. What do you think? Does the world need another Effing Marketing Podcast? How about letting us know with a rating or review in your favourite podcast app or just keep listening. I'm glad you're here. Next week, Jeff will be back. Todd Irwin, Chief Strategy Officer of creative agency Phaser, makes his second appearance. And Robert will be back in our virtual bar. Until then, have a great week. And I hope you again join us next week on Rockstar CMO FM. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.